0: Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the liner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer, season 2, episode 14, Candy Morningstar.
1: I love this episode. I love Candy. I love everything about Candy and I love this episode. I love the twist, which is super obvious, but it was so, so good. I love pretty much everything about this episode. There's very, very small things that I'm complaining about that don't really have anything to do with the writing. So, summary time. After having gone AWOL for two weeks, Lucifer returns with a wife, who is more than she seems, manages to play mom to perfection and even gets on chloe's good side again with a surprisingly supportive dan helping out i also want to mention that the imdb summary in my opinion is factually wrong because they phrase it that the murder of the guitarist is the reason why he comes back
0: which is utter bullshit complete bullshit yes i absolutely
1: agree german title of course is the same as the original with candy morningstar
0: yay obsession of the week I'm very curious what you have my obsession of the week is candy same yes oh my god this hasn't happened in such a long time
1: because I was thinking about okay what is it is it protecting Chloe but it's really just Lucifer and it's not really an obsession it's just a reason why he's doing anything but Literally everyone in this episode is obsessed with Candy Morningstar. I know. It's so great. I love that you have the same. Makes me so happy. Very good start to this
0: episode. (laughs) It's gonna be a lot of gushing over this episode from my side. Same.
1: Also all the quotes. I have so many quotes which I rarely do because I feel it's a bit boring to listen to us quote the episode but fuck me this episode is amazing.
0: I really try not to write all the ones that I... loved because then my notes would be very long and they're already way longer than they usually are so sorry not sorry
1: also at one point I have a music question because my Amazon refused to tell me the song so I hope you got the song in that scene but I have A lot of facts and fun for this episode. I have a bunch of it for the beginning. I have several in the episode. And I even have a devil in the details. Which has been a while since we had one. So facts and fun. Obviously the title is set by Lucifer. Putting us 13 out of 14 we have a fourth time return writer with Jen Kao. And they wrote Season 1, Episode 3, The Would-Be-Prince of Darkness. They wrote Season 1, Episode 8, A2 Doctor. And they wrote Season 2, Episode 7, My Little Monkey. And surprisingly all four episodes are not ranked very high for Lucifer standards. They're all lower to mid 8s on IMDb.
0: IMDb doesn't
1: know what they're talking about. Well, the IMDb rating is done by the viewers yeah exactly but it's, it's surprising <laughs> because while none of these episodes that jen Kao has written is in my top three i enjoyed all of them quite a lot
0: so it's more of a solid good writing
1: so very important to know is jen Kao usually is the story editor ah interesting which might be why we quote so much in this episode Then I have three facts for the entire episode that I did not put in the episode. In scene three, at minute three and three seconds, we see a billboard in the background. And I mentioned it beforehand because this is one of my tiny complaints that have nothing to do with writing. It's a Supergirl billboard of Supergirl's chest. Nothing else. And I'm just like, really? Do you have any more facts and fun? Yes. The song Lucifer dedicates to Marla is Eternal Flame by the Bangles. And he earlier in the episode states that Chloe has a bunch of 90s music on her music player. And Eternal Flame was released in 1989. So it is not a 90s song.
0: But Bangles are just 90s band. He's talking about her having 90s songs, but he doesn't specifically mention this song.
1: I just want to make sure people are aware that Eternal Flame is not in fact a 90s song. Finally, the mediator, Anthony Annan, refers to Ash's death as the night the music died. And so a bit of background information on that. On February 3rd, 1959, three rock and roll legends, Buddy Holly, Richard Valence, and the big bopper Richardson died altogether in a plane crash. And in the 1971 song American Pie, this event is called the day the music died and This name stuck. And so this is a reference to that, even though obviously Ash is not on the same level as Buddy Holly and co.
0: I love that song so much. The original. I'm not particularly loving the cover that Madonna did, but the original is very good.
1: Get us into the previously on Lucifer. I can't do it as well as you. Let me do it then.
0: I'm ready. I'm ready. Stop staring at me. You're creeping me out.
1: Not you. The cat. It's the ghost right behind you that's making the cats stare.
0: Shut up! <laughs> mean. Previously on Lucifer. Azrael's blade is on earth. It lights up. Man wants to go back to heaven and is using Ames to help her. Chloe gets poisoned. Lucy kills himself to get the antidote from the professor in hell. It works. Chloe is a miracle child from God. Mum tells Lucy he refuses to be part of their game anymore. And Chloe finds out he disappears
1: when she tries to get on with him. I just want to mention Linda is the one who brought Lucifer back.
0: And as we are left without Lucifer for the half season finale, we start this comeback... With a scene in Lux where we have a song playing called Wide Awake by Deep Sea Diver. This is the scene where mom is being super creepy and still hasn't figured out how to deal with humanity. No, mother, please don't. That's just
1: creepy. She's genuinely freaking me out how she behaves there. She still doesn't know how to human. I have a question though. Who is running Lux? Is it still Mace? I'd say so. So she's a bounty hunter and she runs Lux? I mean, what do you really need to do in Lux? Running a nightclub is a shit ton of work unless you have very good employees. So does Mace have a manager? How amazing a human would you have to be to be able to work with Mace to manage Lux?
0: I personally can't imagine Lucifer being actually hands-on manager of Lux. So he probably already had somebody in place after Mace left.
1: That's what I'm wondering. Will we ever meet the magical person who is managing Lux and making sure Lux is still booming? Because Lux is fucking booming. So I'm curious what the behind the scenes information basically that would be very
0: cool we could actually put that on our list because I think that would be very cool
1: and after the scene in Lux, we change over to scene two, where we see a
0: mysterious
1: buy happen.
0: We do not get that explained
1: whatsoever, do we? I'm pretty sure this has to do with what he did for Candy. He is buying her contract or something.
0: Yeah, we think. But actually, I completely forgot that happens by the end of the episode until I was doing my final thoughts. And then I was like, wait a minute, did that ever gotten explained?
1: It also raises one of my questions that already is in my list. Where the fuck does Lucifer get his money from? Because we learned in season one that Lux is losing money. So where does he have the money? I know. This just reinforces the necessity of the question on the list.
0: Yes, 100%. I absolutely agree. However, one note I have about this scene is that I absolutely adore when they offhandedly reference my favorite things.
1: So... The Godfather? Marlon Brando, mainly. <laughs> So The Godfather is not your favorite thing, but Brando is.
0: No, no, no. I love the book with all of my heart. It's absolutely perfect. But Marlon Brando's life is super fascinating. Both of these things are extremely amazing. And I'm extremely happy they got referenced. Because of course Lucifer loves The Godfather. Of course Lucifer followed. Marlon Brando, because Marlon is probably in hell, not gonna lie. His life was not the nicest.
1: But yeah, as you said, I'm also curious what it was in detail that he bought, because basically he gets a suitcase, so... I'm thinking like okay is it a soul aka Pulp Fiction or something or just a literal contract because she was an exotic dancer or something if she even was that or if it's just part of the cover story that he made up with her. So I don't know but I'm very much there for it and the whole atmosphere in that scene.
0: Yeah absolutely. However it's very short and sweet scene so we can now move on to our crime scene where we have the billboard mentioned already but more Importantly, we get Chloe and Dan having a conversation where she literally says, It's been two weeks. I'm over it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Two weeks. Sure.
1: A. Yeah, girl, you're not over it. So stop lying. And B. It's just two weeks get over it. It's not like he ghosted you for three months or something. I still get that she is hurt and everything and I will comment on that later on but I also feel that she is overreacting.
0: Well currently she is overreacting. I think that once we get Candy in the mix this reaction is kind of expected but if I have a personal struggle with any character in this episode it's gonna be Chloe so uh, in this moment I'm still just you know. This this is fun, sure. Of course you're over it, Chloe. Of course you're going to put on the brave face and pretend nothing is happening. Because that's how you cope. You deny that anything's happening.
1: Which is why she and Lucifer are such a good match. Because boy, (laughs) denial, the river in Africa.
0: It's their superpower.
1: Yeah, it's where they should go on their honeymoon or something.
0: (laughs) I wish they actually would. Oh, that would be amazing. Imagine.
1: (laughs) Well, one of the polls for the future could be where should Lucifer and Chloe spend their honeymoon? And. One of the options is going to be on denial. Hashtag (laughs) Deckerstar. Exactly. But as much as I'm slightly annoyed with Chloe, I am extremely happy with Dan being surprisingly understanding and empathic. And I'm there for it. He's had a very good episode when it comes to
0: these things. Yes. I have two things genuinely creepy in this scene. One is, excuse me, please, close the dead guy's eyes. It's so fucking creepy. He just stares into the sky. You and also Ames. What the fuck?
1: Yo, stalker angel. Not a good look.
0: Also, again, how is he moving so quickly? He doesn't have wings.
1: Ames is also magicking when he has no reason to magic. But as creepy as Ames is, as wonderful Ella is, because she is as tone deaf as usual for what effect her statements have. And I am living for it Ella is totally rising in my my ranking basically and there's never enough Ella time and I I stand by my point I want a fucking Ella episode gimme yes yes and finally I have a very fun fact because this is actually fun for this scene the flyer with the heavy woolies found next to the dead guy. That name is taken from the former real LA band for which co-showrunner Ildi Motovic was lead singer. Oh my god, that's amazing. So I task you, Vero, with
0: finding songs from them. Oh hell yeah, I'm gonna do that. If I'm gonna find some, I'm gonna link them to the episode. And we close off the scene with our typical happenings where Chloe is again a better cop than Dan. Better observance. Typical. Which brings us to the apartment of the band.
1: Which seriously? The place looks so great. With all the empty colorful bottles and the frames and the instruments. Uh,
0: I'd live there.
1: But also I would not be surprised if it's super dingy and dirty and reeks of alcohol and smoke. But I'd still go there and hang out.
0: We actually get a Song in this scene which starts off quietly here and then after this scene ends is used for the transition for the next scene and it's called Done and Dusted by My Jerusalem.
1: Wow, pretty sure that place had not been dusted. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Being as literal as usual, and also, and I don't know what I have for this is that the band doesn't seem very friendly.
1: Yeah, they don't seem close.
0: Not close, and not very affectionate to our dead guy, and
1: not really affected by the news. The one dude instantly goes like, "Oh, the band is now done, dude." Someone died can we not focus on the monetary effect it has for at least 5 minutes at least wait until the police is gone
0: yeah But you know, artists, artists have a different view at the world, I
1: suppose. And cliche whites should not be interested in money, so that rang all the bells for me.
0: Well, that's the thing, because if they were real artists, they wouldn't. But because they're shitty artists, they are.
1: Ah, now I get you. We move on to the precinct, and Lucifer is as oblivious as he oftentimes is, even though I have to say I'm just gonna say it now I'm pretty sure he is pretending most of the time in this episode What I was expecting and I'm surprised didn't happen. I was so sure Chloe was gonna slap him. That he was gonna walk up to her all smiley face. And she was just gonna go slap and then get the title card.
0: We've had the first moment where Chloe is actually really, really happy to see him. And you see she comes up to him and she grabs him by his jacket. And the way she looks at him, I genuinely thought she was gonna come up and kiss him. And I was like, oh my god god i've seen this before and i knew that was not gonna happen but like i saw her approaching lucifer and i was like
1: this is gonna happen don't and this dear listeners is why sometimes we have such different opinions this scene me i read as a potential slap and vero Red is a potential kiss.
0: Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. She comes up to him and she does this and she touches his jacket. And then you can see when she realizes he's okay, so I can be mad at him. She completely switches. And then, of course, when Candy shows up, it just goes into a full jealous rage. Which, I mean, I love it, but we're gonna talk about that a little bit later because this emotion's gonna come up a few times. Dan's reaction to Candy showing up and walking down the stairs, falling over her heels, was. Absolute fucking perfection. I already fell in love with this character even when I first watched it and I thought that this was real for quite a long time. But watching this with the knowledge of Candy not being a dumb bimbo, it just puts it on a whole another level. Watching her performance from the first second, struggling to walk down the stairs on her heels trying to get Lucifer, is so amazing.
1: So we get the title drop with the introduction of Candy Morningstar. And of course the reaction is, what the fuck is going on? In true Lucifer fashion, we stay in the precinct just slightly after the bomb has been dropped basically and fuck how good an actor is Lauren German because the pain on Chloe's face and her near tears in several moments through this scene and the following precinct scene and just her acting in general in this episode is very very good and as annoyed as I am with certain reactions of Chloe as a character as happy I am that she gets to have more range because sometimes they play her kind of one note due to the character and writing. And so whenever Lauren gets the chance to show the range she has, I'm very, very happy. And also, even though for me it was very obvious what the motivation behind this was, it is still extremely shitty behavior by Lucifer. So I was angry at Chloe and angry at Lucifer and just loving it a lot.
0: I think that from Lucifer, yes, it is shitty behavior, but you can see that his biggest motivation is to make sure that Chloe is okay in this episode. And this moment, what really upset me about Chloe, I see where it's coming from and I understand it is true to her character, after all. But what upset me most is that she says something in a sense of I almost died and you disappeared. No, 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 no. That is not what happened, Chloe. He waited specifically for you to wake up and make sure that you survived and you're gonna be okay and you're out of the woods to leave he was there for you he was the one who saved your fucking arse so shut up again with the program
1: oh but i have one very important note and i'm curious if you noticed candy and lucifer don't kiss once in the entire episode
0: i did not know this
1: but yeah it's right i noted in this scene in the precinct that even though he introduces her and she's really touchy with him and everything they don't kiss and then i paid attention And strike me down if I'm wrong, there is no kissing between Candy and Lucifer.
0: Which makes absolute sense, because if this is all a ruse...
1: Exactly. This is one of the things that clued me in when I watched it for the first time, that there is something off with it. Because if she was just a rando girl that Lucifer met in Las Vegas and got married to, she, of course, would be utterly infatuated with Lucifer and would be wanting to be intimate with him. As are most people around Lucifer because he affects them all. So her not being that overly sexual with Lucifer was for me a very big sign that she is somehow clued in into this whole situation. That's fair. That sounds reasonable.
0: And we have, I feel like, biggest obsession... Buy candy comes from chloe in this episode and mom well obviously mom but mom is not as in the center character this time for me anyway
1: which is hilarious because the plan originally was just for mom but we experience it way more for chloe however when we
0: get into the interrogation just now which is absolutely hilarious we are used to projection but we are used to projection from lucifer we have never seen chloe project so fucking hard
1: i I am curious. During interrogation, we shortly cut into the watch room with Dan and Lucifer, and Lucifer thinking that Chloe is talking about Dan. And I have in all caps, this has to be deliberate by Lucifer. He cannot be so ignorant of him being the selfish one.
0: I just assumed that it is deliberate, but now when you say it like that... It is Lucifer after all. It is Lucifer after all, so
1: yeah. And also I have a question for the whole interrogation. So the wife did in fact get violent and then she bought her way out of any consequences via the divorce settlement. Is that correct or did she have legal consequences for her domestic violence?
0: I don't think there were legal consequences but I have not paid much attention to the case to be honest.
1: Because I was kind of angry that this gets handled so blasé. Because domestic violence from women towards men is something that gets downplayed a lot. And so when it happens on TV, I always wish for a respectful dealing with it. And her simply buying out her way of any consequences felt kind of me to me. So I was a bit upset at that point. We're moving on to mom's law firm, I think think I wasn't sure where we are because in this scene we do not see the pomegranate painting so I wasn't 100% sure. No, this is her office. And I adored the fact that Amenadiel is social media savvy and mom having no idea what the fuck he's talking about. I was living it. I love it. The
0: whole fact that Aminadil has managed to teach himself social media is so good. But also, you've noticed that the way mother speaks, it's very old-timey. And then she uses the word betrothed. I can't even say. Betrothed himself. Betrothed, I think. Betrothed himself to this person. And it's just the vocabulary that they give mom is so on point. I really, really enjoy it. Because this is what makes her her. This is what makes her out of touch with everything. Because we don't know where she learned language. We don't know when she learned language.
1: So we go back into the precinct. And this is one of the other moments where it became very apparent to me that Candy is way more than she seems because her pointing out the connection in the pictures is fucking brilliant. And I... Absolutely love that they made her competent while still maintaining this ditzy, blonde... Bimbo. No, don't say bimbo. Bimbo is a very, very derogative term. Yeah, well, this is how they try to present her, though. No, this is how Chloe reads her. Nobody else treats her as Chloe treats her. And I'm gonna go into that at the very end. I have issues with that. But I love that while on one hand, Candy is set up as this superficial, very pretty, potentially not a smart character on the other hand we have her extremely competent in specific moments and I love that we get this glimpse into a more complex Candy even while it is still presented as Candy Morningstar being an actual person not just a character so I just fell more in love with Candy here
0: also her off-handed comment where she says I'm good with faces and other things
1: yeah because she doesn't get a lot of names in her line of work
0: oh, it's so funny I love her.
1: I love her. And then we have we get the music. We get Lucifer stealing the phone of Chloe with Bangles and Sync. Oh,
0: you mean this music? Yeah, I thought there was a song playing and it's like, what?
1: No, no, no. Lucifer stealing off the phone of Chloe and reading out Bangles in Sync and right said Fred. And I just have to say this is amazing bad taste.
0: It's so Chloe though. It's so perfect for Chloe. I'm so there for it. No,
1: seriously, when I go to a bed taste party this is the sound that I want to hear also this is the
0: music that she was listening to before her father died when she was still free spirit you know this is my head canon that Chloe used to be growing up this wild personality wild character and she was all over the place and she was this actress and she was topless in a film and then her father was murdered and it completely changed her into who she is today overly cautious and not letting anybody in and refusing. Using to be out there or party and stuff like that so this music is coming from the time before it's like she stopped listening to music after her father died which is really sad and this is my head canon. you're welcome
1: well since lucifer refers to this as 90s music and chloe is now what age 34 she is basically my age because we're now in 2016 in the show, right? And I'm 36, so she's more or less my age. Me and pretty much most of my friends still listen to the same music that we listened in the 90s and 2000s. So even without this very elaborate headcanon that you created for yourself and for Chloe, I feel it's very normal to still listen to the music that you listened to in the 90s and the 2000s if you are born some way around the 80s. Music?
0: Music-wise, yes. The other characteristics that Chloe has fit with my headcanon, so I'm fine with that.
1: I'm not destroying your headcanon, I'm just saying even without the elaborate headcanon, it works. And also, it works extremely well for me when Lucifer puts down the phone and she basically breaks up with him. It's painful and it makes perfect sense. And I can understand all the sides and it hurts me and I love it. Yeah.
0: It's horrible because then she was in this state of mind where it was going somewhere. It's not been that long since they kissed and suddenly he's married to somebody else and it must be horrible for her. So I understand where she's coming from. It's hurtful, obviously. And if I didn't love Candy so much, I would be even more pissed off with Lucifer. She is kind of balancing it out for me and Lucifer is trying to behave like nothing happened and I think he mentions it in this scene. Yes, we're friends. We're friends and we can go back to what we used to be, but... Chloe needs time and it's gonna be okay. I'm honestly hoping, even after this episode alone, that it's gonna be fine. But I just want to give her a hug.
1: Yeah, I definitely do feel for Chloe. No judgment here. So she breaks up with him and Lucifer goes to the only logical place where he can go after such a happening, which is therapy. And everyone knows I am... Love Linda, but especially in this scene, I am living her reaction to Lucifer because she is so over his rash actions. And I love how she's confronting him with, Why return at all? And Lucifer does not really reply to it, but he replies enough that it's obvious his feelings have not changed. Even if you, as a watcher, had been completely oblivious to the first 15 minutes of this episode. Latest at this moment you have to realize that this is only happening because he is trying to protect Chloe. I love that interaction between Linda and Lucifer and her getting him to, at least in parts, admit the true reason why he's here.
0: In this episode, he is smoking mirrors a lot. You know, he is creating diversion.
1: I also feel that he's wearing a lot more eyeliner in this episode. Than he does, and I'm there for it. So, is his eyeliner level his mask? Oh my god, that's brilliant mind-blowing so we're gonna have to keep an eye out for that
0: however this scene is half hilarious half sad the fact that he brings candy to go to therapy
1: what worked for me is candy being the one to turn linda's words around so it made sense to lucifer that is also brilliant which again is Fuck, she's competent, she's smart, she's all that. And she also really seems to understand Lucifer, which always speaks to me.
0: I made myself expandable. Literally.
1: so good.
0: And then Lucifer picks up the fucking Candy and says, have a candy, Candy. It's just
1: perfect. And so Lucifer follows Candy's advice of just keep showing up to work by following Dan. And I did not expect Lucifer to follow Dan. I thought he would just show up and annoy Chloe at some level. He's holding the
0: piece of the plant. That killed me. Him standing there with a little And then when Dan notices him, he just throws it away. That made my entire evening when I was watching this. It's so fucking funny.
1: And I really appreciated how Dan reacted to Lucifer and dealt with him and everything. And Lucifer didn't call him a douche. Not yet, yeah. I'm here for the potential bros happening. I want more of it. Anywho,
0: Lucifer creates a plan in his head and heads over to Chloe's apartment to suggest the plan and it's a great plan it's a great plan and i don't i don't have many notes for this scene what I don't love is the fact that Chloe keeps referring to Candy as a stripper. And Lucifer actually snubs and says, exotic dancer, and yes, it is pejorative. This is not the way you say that. This is disrespectful as fuck and it's bad.
1: I'm gonna go into this at the very end a bit. It comes up again.
0: But... My favorite callback of the episode. Wobble is
1: back. I want Wobble. I also have Wobble now. And I went and checked. This is an actual app. Oh my god, I kind of want it now. It's sadly not the same type of app as it's made to be in the show. It's for making short videos using still images. Oh, That may be handy to know. But yeah, I also have the same callback because yes, girl. Which brings us to the penthouse. And this is where I want to know what is the song.
0: The song is called It's Ugly. It's by Obscurities, which is a return artist, believe it or not. It's YouTube only song, unfortunately. However, it's I think it's from the same album as the previous song that we had. And that song has been played in Quid Pro Ho. Ooh. So we have that in our links in the episode description of Quid Pro Ho. You can click at one of those YouTube links.
1: But we're also gonna include the song link.
0: Well, obviously you're getting It's Ugly in this. Which, again, the perfection with name of this song is unreal.
1: Another thing for scene 12 that I wanna talk about is Candy going, oh my god, are you
0: Lucifer's sister? And then when you watch this with the knowledge that Candy is not a bimbo. She is in the know. And stop saying bimbo. I'm gonna keep saying this because this is the perfect expression, is what they're pretending for her to be. I don't like the word. Okay, sorry. What word do you suggest we use for her? Use the one they use in the show, stripper. I don't want to use stripper. I have issues with that.
1: Then let's just call her candy.
0: So when you're in the know that... She is not what they are painting her to be. And then you watch this reaction and the way she treats mom. It's so amazing. It's just
1: perfection. Also with the whole, oh mother? I have to start using sunscreen and everything. It's just wonderful. And also this in my opinion is the last straw where everyone should have noticed because mom decides to take candy shopping and Lucifer just sits there and is not intervening. And he gives us the look. And this is the moment
0: where we know exactly that Lucifer knows exactly what he's doing.
1: Yeah. And that there is a plan.
0: Yeah. However, I don't think that it shows us that Candy is
1: not Candy. And with this, we go back to Chloe's and Maze's place. Do we have a shipping name for Chloe and Maze, by the way?
0: I'm sure it exists. Tumblr, what's Maze and Chloe's ship name?
1: What does Tumblr say?
0: Official fandom ship name for Chloe and Maze is Clays. Thanks, I hate it. If you come up with a few more, we can
1: make it into a poll. If I can think of a few and at least like one of them a bit, maybe. So in this scene, I have one complaint and one praise. I hate the bra size equal to IQ comment. Mace says that to Chloe and I hate it because big breasts or maid breasts have nothing to do with your intelligence and it's such a cliche and it does get thrown around quite a bit even in today's society and I hate it.
0: I honestly haven't heard that one before but yeah if you look at it from that direction I can see
1: where you're coming from. So that's my complaint and my praise is maybe you two need a mediator and by this Maze points Chloe in the proper way how to get the case going but also resolve issues with Lucifer. And let me say, I had a very different expectation for the next scene. Mm
0: -hmm. We're gonna get into the next scene when we get into the next scene. However, currently, talking about this scene, I have also a few notes, which is Chloe rage cleaning is mood. This is literally what I do. When I am angry or emotional and I don't want to talk about it, I will go and I start cleaning. I am an aggressive cleaner. I
1: wish I would cope in that way. My place would benefit so much from it. So basically, whenever you come over to Munich to visit me, I'm gonna make you really angry one day. And after that, my place is gonna be nice? Possibly. Awesome. On record, also,
0: you really don't want me to be too angry.
1: However,
0: (laughs) Chloe, I get you. I absolutely feel you. And then I have a quote, which makes me love Maze even more. Same thing happens when I throw the dishes into the trash instead of cleaning them. It's
1: so perfect.
0: I really want to live with Mace.
1: I would buy all the dishes just so she could throw them away. So beautiful.
0: But also obviously Mace nudging the idea of the mediator at Chloe is very good. It just proves that she's very smart. Exactly. And now let's go into the dreaded scene. I dread it.
1: I did not dread it but I did not see it coming that Chloe was going. As Candy. And I was actually surprised because this more than borders on lying for Lucifer.
0: Well he doesn't actually say a single lie the entire time. I was actually making sure.
1: For me it was extremely borderline because when the mediator is like how long have you guys been married? And of course he's referring to Chloe and Lucifer being married when in fact they are not married but Candy who Chloe is pretending to be and Lucifer are married. So I understand why it works, but for me it was a very thin line that they are walking here. Also, Chloe did not think this through. She can't talk about Candy While she is pretending to be Candy. She is angry. It comes through.
0: It has happened before. When she gets like this, she starts saying things that she shouldn't be saying.
1: How could she not see it happen that when she goes into the situation with Lucifer, with this setup, that she was gonna escalate?
0: It's called denialina.
1: I know, but still, she's too smart for this.
0: Hey, everybody has their flaws, even Chloe. But I actually have quite issues with this scene and the fact that Chloe is dressed up as... Candy because I appreciate that Lauren looks extremely hot wearing
1: wearing Candy's outfits.
0: It's literally the same outfit that Candy was wearing in the first scene,
1: right? I'm pretty sure that Candy had to share her wardrobe with Chloe for this, yeah.
0: Even the fact that Candy didn't have an issue doing that for Chloe is another step towards Candy not being so clueless as they're trying to paint her. However, Chloe, the way she is handling pretending to be Candy, this is what I have a massive issue with. It already came up a little bit when she kept calling her stripper before, but she is getting super angry and super irrational. And come on, she is so judgmental. She is passing more judgment on Candy than she have ever done on a murderer before. We have never seen her like this. And yes, I understand that she is jealous. And yes, I understand that she is angry at Lucifer. But Chloe is supposed to be the rational one. She should be the collected one. And as I'm saying this, I realize, and this is from my own experience as well, if we are holding some emotions back for too long, then when it actually goes out, it explodes all over the place. So I imagine this is what is happening. But still. This, I understand why it's happening, but it made me so upset.
1: I had another issue with this scene than you did. I mean, I also had your issue, but I also had another issue. Chloe knows that Lucifer does not lie. She knows that she has confirmed that she believes that he does not lie. So why is she repeatedly surprised in this scene when he says the truth? You have several moments where there's a question and she replies with a lie and is surprised or put out or taken aback or something when he replies with the truth. How did she not factor that into her plan?
0: That would mean that she would have to be rational about her decisions. You're gonna excuse everything with that. (laughs) Well, her entire behavior is completely
1: irrational right now. I know. She's usually so smart and I'm not happy that they let her emotions get so much the better of her that she stops being a good cop. This is connected to what
0: I said just now. She has bottled up all of these emotions for such a long time that now she just cannot get a handle on herself.
1: Two weeks.
0: I'm not just talking about those two weeks but she hasn't been passionate or in love or affectionate or anything like that for years presumably. Pretty much since she broke off the marriage with Dan and Now she has a bit by bit has this wall chipped away and she hasn't been angry like this and irrational like this for years. So all of these emotions...
1: I see where you're coming from. Yeah. It's more
0: of a long-term personality problem than uh, what is happening right now. Because yes, it's all completely blown out of proportion.
1: I see your point. I'm not disagreeing. I'm still wishing that they had let her be a competent cop as she usually is.
0: Well, in the end of the day though, it ends up working because she is approached by Anthony
1: yeah and she plays through the shtick and then in the end Lucifer shows up does the uh, what do you desire and no surprise is we get the band member as the next suspect
0: and uh, it was for the band for the band for the band
1: yeah the, the dude is so into the band it's just so we move on to shopping with mom and this entire scene I would not be surprised if you have a lot of quotes for this scene I held back But Candy is so good in her handling of mom and mom is so not there for it and I love it. And when Candy takes mom's hand, I'm a good listener. I know exactly what you want to say. You want the best for your son and just make sure that he's all right. And I'm just like, oh girl, you're fucked good
0: also that takes some courage to come up to the goddess of creation i don't think she knows that we don't know if she does but like even
1: if she didn't just the mom of your husband already takes guts and there's
0: a quote where mom asks her about their plants and she starts talking about the tanning salon and everything or a fruit bar or a fruit bar or both smart and mom just looks at her and says, You're speaking, and yet I do not understand a single word that's coming out of your mouth. And Candy replying, I get that a lot. See, those little moments of self-reflection are sprinkled all over the episode. And this is what, again, you may not 100% realize that this is happening when you watch it the first time. But when you rewatch it, these little moments are so perfection. It- it's gold.
1: And the scene isn't all that long, but it is brilliantly done. And once more, the writing in this episode is great. And that also continues into the next scene, when we're back at Mom's law firm and this time it is very obviously the law firm because we see the pomegranate pictures and she speaks about Candy and then she says only a deeply damaged soul and then she stops herself and you see the realization play through on her face
0: and Ames doesn't help because he is looking at her with agreeing face like yes you got that one right
1: and I was like oh my god oh my goddess huh is mom finally taking a sliver of responsibility because she goes through this I made this happen I caused this it's my fault and that to be honest took me by surprise but I still find it very believable because fuck me Trisha Helfer sells this.
0: I have no words for the amazingness of what Trisha
1: Helfer is. We move on back to the precinct and I only have one question with a potential answer already delivered. Do you remember how angry both of us got when they rewarmed Dan's affection for Chloe even though he was supposed to be over it? It's gone now isn't it? Exactly. My question is why is Dan rooting for Lucifer? Did we finally abandon the stupid plotline that he still has feelings for Chloe after all? You agree with me that it now feels that we're done with this bullshit. Yes.
0: I agree with you. Both Ella and Dan are rooting for Lucifer and I love it. Even
1: yeah, Ella is always rooting for Lucifer.
0: Yeah, but doesn't mean I'm not here for it. But yeah, we're gonna get an answer to this question in a little bit. But to end up this scene, we get progress on the case that nobody cares about. Yoo-hoo-hoo!
1: I didn't even take a note of it.
0: I barely made any notes regarding
1: the actual case. Because nobody cares, literally.
0: Concert! This is the moment where... Tom Ellis performs The Eternal Flame by The Bangles for Chloe, which has been, and this is my greatest pleasure to say for the first time, the actual song that is on the show is put on the Spotify playlist as we go, because we get the album of Lucifer and this song is on it. I can ah, I'm so happy about it.
1: You're so happy you stopped being able to talk properly.
0: Exactly. When I get excited, I lose words.
1: He is singing to Chloe while officially singing this song for Marla.
0: Now, we have our first cut scene right now, where just after the performance, Lucifer and Chloe are walking through the club to ask a couple of questions to Marla. And Chloe wonders how Lucifer found her. And Lucifer says that at least his royal doucheness is still talking to him and insinuates that Dan was the one who sent him over. Chloe then goes to talk to Marla, makes some stupid bad joke that I didn't write down. Lucifer explains the joke, so it's not even funny, and they walk off. (laughs)
1: I kind of want to see the scene.
0: <laughs> something about bracelets or something bullshit like that. It was a bad joke. I am not surprised that they chopped this one. It doesn't bring us any new information.
1: And also it's not really needed because all of this gets also explained in the next scene. We're back at the precinct and Ames shows up. Before Ames shows up, we have another song.
0: There is Lucifer fiddling with the bass and coming up with a riff. Crime solving Dalvin. It makes sense. Don't overthink it. And yes, thank you for asking. It is on the playlist. I have put it there. It is on Spotify. Thank you very much.
1: Do you know where the riff is from? Where is it from?
0: I was trying to google it and the only information I could find that it was written by the show so I didn't actually put much thought into it.
1: When Lucifer sings crime-solving devil it makes sense don't overthink it. He is singing to the tune of the show's Theme song "Being Evil Has a Price" by the band Heavy Young Heavens.
0: Oh, yeah. Obviously, I heard it before because it's also our theme song-ish.
1: There you go.
0: So let's mark today as the day when we put the theme song of this amazing show on our playlist, because I believe that we do not have it there yet, which is a big mistake, because it's a great song. It's called Being Evil Has a Price, and it's by Heavy Young Heathens. The riff from this song is referenced with The Crime Solving Devil, which I did not put together, thanks Lina for pointing that out to me. And now we're gonna have the Tom Ellis singing this and the actual theme song of the show on our playlist. Perfect.
1: So now Lucifer finished playing and Ella points out that they have a stalker there, which is perfect timing because she feels awkward. So the camera pans over and we see a Amenadiel just standing there. And so uh, Lucifer... Goes out, takes him into the interrogation room again, I think. Which we talked about before, is not the best place for privacy.
0: They do not go into the interrogation room, they go into one of the offices.
1: Okay, so actually smarter than last time. Impressive, yay, progress. (laughs) Well done! And here I have questions. Okay, before we get into the questions,
0: I just want to point out that Ella in this episode doesn't really get much time. but every single time that she shows up it just warms my heart and the way she reacts to every situation is just so on point
1: and it just wouldn't be the same without her.
0: Let's get on with your questions.
1: I totally understand that Lucifer being the literal being responsible for free will is being so hung up on Chloe being able to make choices based on free will. But what basis do we have to say with such insistence and surety that she has no choice and that her feelings are not real? Where is this conviction from Lucifer coming from that she is not able to choose and that her feelings are not real?
0: So the way I always read this is that she has been made for Lucifer to fall in love with her. So she has been made to suit him therefore who's to say that she has not been made with the feelings already there ready to be awakened when lucifer shows up so the same way that he is bringing passion and desires out of people, he would bring feelings out of Chloe in some way. I think that my opinion might evolve with more episodes and with more seasons. But currently,
1: this is what I'm going with. But my main issue is we have no confirmation. And the only confirmation that we do have is that she is human. And humans de facto have free will.
0: This is Lucifer not taking the chance. That is
1: a good enough answer for me. To close out that part of the precinct scene, I find it extremely cute that Amenadiel simply wants the family to be together. I found it very sweet because Amenadiel is kind of like the family angel.
0: I find it very annoying because he is again acting on somebody else's decisions and he is again, even though he said numerous times that he doesn't want to be a pawn, he is again being a fucking pawn.
1: I actually read him this time for once as genuine that he genuinely wants to get along with Lucifer and he genuinely wants Lucifer and mom to get along with each other
0: whether or not amenadiel is currently genuine it doesn't change the fact that these thoughts have been carefully put into his head by mom
1: this is one of the few instances where i doubt this i actually believe that amenadiel is a family person okay
0: i cannot leave this bit of the scene without mentioning the joke that amenadiel makes and that is that lucifer is holding up a shield made of candy And I ask, how many jokes are they able to make about candy and candy? I love it. Too
1: many. This is one of the few that didn't land for me, but I'm very happy it made you happy. What made me happy is that right after this part of the scene, we get the explanation why Dan is in Lucifer's Corner. Because he fucking saved Chloe's life. And this reads completely true to character to me. That this would really change the way Dan behaves towards Lucifer.
0: And also, well, we have the interrogation, which who cares?
1: Yeah, and also closing out this scene is good guy Dan making sure that Chloe and Lucifer go together.
0: Yeah, he's pushing them together. It's
1: beautiful. I love supportive, empathic Dan. We are coming up to scene 20 that is solving our case. Yay! Before we get to that
0: beautiful, beautiful, fun scene, there is another cut scene. This one is a little bit more important to me because they cut out Mace. <gasps> so there is this little instance where this is my presumption that it belongs here. So Lucifer sees Mace in Lux, very briefly, and Mace is all over him. Like, oh, this is hilarious, Lucifer. This is so cool. What is this whole thing with Candy all about? You can tell me, come on, you can tell me what's really going on and Lucifer just looks at her and says well there's nothing to tell nothing going on like it is what it is she's my wife whatever and then he excuses himself and leaves because he needs to be elsewhere. Another really fun part about these cutscenes is that they didn't have the music in just yet so you have like a bunch of people in the background just kind of like doing a quick step and like dancing to non-existent rhythm so that was kind of funny to notice but I kind of like that we get a bit of a more of a climax with Mace because she kind of just fizzes out out of the episode. And this cutscene actually gave me a little bit more of oh, Mace sees that something is happening and she wants to know and Lucifer refuses to tell her. So we head over to our band apartment again and Lucifer gets a phone call at the very beginning.
1: Candy perfect timing.
0: Exactly. This show has certain comedic genius to it. I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. It's not just about the amazing storyline and it's not about the fact that it's a crime show and I adore all the crime shows in the universe <laughs> but it's also about the fact that it makes me laugh and it gives me little instances which are you know let's face it Lucifer after being strangled with a string for such a long time very unrealistic for him not to not have any marks on his neck whatsoever but the fact that he is still alive is very very curious but the little comedic elements and the phone call is definitely one of them
1: it's hilarious and it just keeps Keeps on going and going with this type of comedy. Because then there's this whole conversation with Chloe and the musician and Lucifer. And Lucifer going, Oh, well, you might as well kill me then because she doesn't care, blah blah. And then yank, like it's your last wank. And I'm just like, (laughs) Yes! I love it. And then Chloe shoots the dude in the shoulder. And I do not believe her when she says that she aimed for Lucifer. Yeah, she's quite a good marksman. I believe that she would not exactly so I believe she's playing him which also is one of the tiny steps back to their relationship. And then Candy shows up and hugs Chloe. And it starts with this hug and like, thank you for saving him. And oh my god, this job is so dangerous. And he couldn't wait to come back to you. And all the time he's talking about you. And detective this and detective that. And since at the end of the episode, we learn that the ploy was just for mom and not for Chloe. So everything that Candy is doing in this moment... She is doing on her own agenda. I love how she is pointing out some very obvious things. But apparently necessary to be pointed out to Chloe.
0: Because Lucifer has said he's been through hell. And he has said that repeatedly to Chloe as well. Everybody said it all around. And I think that Chloe just needed to hear it from somebody who is outside of her bubble
1: for it to actually land. So I am super glad. And at the end of this scene, the case is solved. And Lucifer has his job back.
0: Yeah, it's very good. And now we have the climax of the story I actually care about.
1: Well, I did care about Chloe and Lucifer patching things up.
0: Yeah, but, you know. Okay, so we can get into the scene where Lucifer has taken what Ames told him to the heart apparently and decided to have a chat with mom where pretty much the first thing that he says is deal thinks that i should apologize but this does not mean that i forgive you which thank you thank you so much i think it would have been stupid of him to pretend that he wants to forgive her he doesn't lie so he can't exactly it would be completely against his character to even consider forgiving her currently. And this is like the point that made me
1: happy. I'm also, I love that mom is trying to write an apology letter and failing miserably. That was for me a very sweet, tiny character tidbit that she is trying to apologize but because she probably never in her life has apologized. (laughs) This is going to be very difficult. And I'm in, in agreement with everything you said. And then he turns around Away from her, and she says, wait, and you see his face. The smile. The smile. Tom fucking Ellis. I know I repeat myself, but these are the moments I live for, and this is the standard that I hold this show to. Because I am aware that I'm complaining. Quite often about certain things. But this is the quality Lucifer as a show and Tom Ellis as an actor is delivering. And this is what I'm expecting of them. Because we know they can deliver it. And it is brilliant.
0: The next note I have is all in cups. And it's, she's a flaming sword. So I'm actually super, super happy. They are finally addressing that little glimpse of a flame that we've seen many episodes ago.
1: It's a long game and I appreciate when shows do that. It's just, oh, I'm so glad. Also, I remember that I mentioned, I think it was in one of my Devil in the Detail tangents that death does not actually have a blade. So, Azrael, supposedly being the angel of death, did not make sense that there was a blade because, if any weapon at all, it should have been a scythe. So, now the blade being not Azrael's blade, but the fucking flaming sword makes a lot more sense for me in Christian lore. So, Happy Lena is happy. And also, there's gonna be so many more tensions in the future.
0: This actually kind of tells us why and how Mum was trying to use Chloe in order to get back to heaven. Does it? Yeah. Because- Because this is what she wanted. She wanted for Lucifer to fall for Chloe, then tell him that Chloe was put into his path by God, make him angry give him the blade and cut through the heavens gates using the flaming sword and this way go back to heaven.
1: Still, we have the question, how do we get to the doors? Amenadiel doesn't have working wings and Lucifer doesn't have wings at all. So I'm very curious what mom's plan for that is.
0: Now, this is me with all the notes on this scene so we can get to the ultimate scene of
1: this episode. My first note for this is I was right that Candy isn't Candy.
0: And we finally see Candy without all the pink. thing from her hair is gone and the crazy outfits that she was wearing.
1: Her whole body language. The actress is impressive. The voice is set on a completely different level as well. Everything about her changes and it's so impressive. And when I watched this the first time, I did not expect such a different acting capability in that person.
0: And then we have a bit of alluding towards what happened in Las Vegas. And Candy leaves us, hopefully not forever, because I would be very sad if that would be the case, with mentioning that Lucifer should not fuck up what he has with Chloe because she seems to matter. Look at that. Candy is a smart woman. She can tell. She judges people really well. And she proves that when she has the conversation with Chloe in the previous scene. And throughout the scene, final song starts to play called Looking for Knives by D-Y-A-N.
1: Looking for Knives. Nice, nice, nice.
0: And we are left with this feeling of what the fuck just happened. I'm just gonna slide right into my final thoughts as I already pretty much started. I have to say I really really liked this episode. It was really funny and as I mentioned throughout the episode, watching it again, knowing that Candy is not who she seems gave me a massive satisfaction. It was entertaining, it was smartly done, it didn't go too overboard, it was just enough. It does leave me wondering, though, what was going on in that first scene. What did Lucifer do for her, and what was the mafiosa scene all about? This is something that I expect them to come back to. I don't know when, but they're gonna do it, and I believe in them. And the case of the week, obviously, as I mentioned again, felt completely irrelevant, and finally I'm happy. Happy that they are addressing the flames on Azrael's blade because it's been way too long. Again, I feel like I repeat myself a lot. I was not extremely happy with Chloe in this episode. And as much as I understand where a lot of this is coming from, she is being extremely selfish and inconsiderate in a lot of the scenes. It's still annoying. And I'm really glad that they addressed it and that they are not gonna be carrying this over to the next episode because of the last scene with her accepting the fact that Lucifer has gone through a trauma As well, and her trying to be more of herself and trying to get back into what she actually is.
1: I agree with literally everything you said I only have to add to it. Most of the things in this episode are brilliant and amazing and as I have repeatedly said throughout this entire episode I fucking love them. The writing is superb and we get some much needed and very believable character development. Great start of the final part of this season. This must have felt so rewarding after the break to get back into the show with this episode. So yay. The only thing that I take issue with is the setup between Chloe and Candy. Chloe, throughout this show so far, is set up as the non-typical girly girl. She is not classic woman not classic girl and her being put next to Candy as the classic girly girl is in my opinion very much the usage of the trope the other girl. I'm not like other girls which is a trope in itself and I have a huge problem with this trope because there is a lot of inherent misogyny in this trope and that's why I hate it so so much and also this thing does exist in reality. I'm not like other girls. I have a huge issue with that. I 100% understand the reasoning why they use this in this episode and with the twist of Candy's character I can actually live with it because they turn it a bit on its head but I still still kind of wished they had done even better because this episode is so amazing. Especially that they had done better with their treatment of Chloe's character and her jealousy. Like you pointed out much more eloquently than I was gonna so I'm just gonna rest my point there. But this is literally the only thing that I took issue with this episode and I can't wait for more And Jen Kao is going to write more episodes and I'm here for it. It's still not one of my top three episodes, but it is a great episode and I want more of the bulk of the episodes to be on this quality. And with this, I say thank you guys for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, to agree with us, to disagree with us, to tell us things that we missed or answer questions that we post throughout these episodes you can do so via various social media simply type in the apple of truth on twitter instagram or facebook and then send us a dm there or simply tweet at us and of course you can always send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com especially if you want to give us feedback for our summoning episode where we talk about the entire season that is very much appreciated.
0: And if you want to get engaged with us on a little bit higher level, we do have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash podcast, you can join the small amazing group of people who are already supporting us there. In that way you can gain access to various extras. You can get access to our Discord or you can access a lot of our premium extra bonus content that is just sitting there waiting for you It includes devils in the detail, which very often does not make it into the actual episode. So if you want to get more into the religious side of the lore, this is where you go. Because Lena is a great researcher and there is a lot of really cool information there.
1: All the details are waiting just for you.
0: If you don't have the means or the will to join our Patreon, you can still help us out by sharing the podcast with all your friends or people who like Lucifer and you just Know them from Twitter, please share us. Thank you so much. And this is us for today. Bye Bye.